0: Dos, tres, cuatro.
1: Mo Facts with Adam Curry for August 19th, 2019, episode number four. Hey, Mo. How you doing, Adam? I am doing good, and I am loving the tracks you sent over for the show today.
2: This <laughs> yeah, is good. that's right a- What's an oldie but goodie uh, that's uh, headed for self-destruction? I think it came out in 1986. Huh. It was it was very impactful on me as a child, um, and it kind of stuck with me. Is this uh, isn't this one of the, those tracks that is sampled on everybody's record? Yes, it's probably one of James Brown's uh, loops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, because he's like the backbone of a uh, hip hop.
1: That's right. Uh, that's right. <laughs> okay, um, a couple of administrative things. Okay. We're we're in the iTunes podcast directory. Finally, we made it in. Which, yes, <laughs> which is which is good news because now you can just tell your buddies, "Hey, you should listen to Mo Facts," and then they can just search it in their podcast app. And what's cool about the the uh, the Apple podcast directory is that all these other apps, because it's very difficult to maintain a directory of of apps, although of podcasts that is. I I I would know how to do it. It's on my list one of these days. Um, so all these other apps they tie into it and they use their API, so they now also are automatically searchable. So like Overcast, a very popular podcast app. Um, so we're really tied into the mothership. And I gotta tell you, I pulled the Podfather card. That was very cool. Cause like that's a nice that's a nice card to have, sir. Yeah, it kept getting rejected. Like, oh, thank <laughs> you for submitting your uh, your podcast. Looks like you're testing something. It's like, yeah, I know. Put us on. And then I had the email say, hey, man, can you uh, point me in the right direction? Uh, I'm the podfather. Sure, you've heard of me. And I'm like, oh, we fixed it for you. No problem. Um, quick thing about the last episode, we talked about Opportunity Zones. I got a lot of feedback from people on that. Uh, a lot of Opportunity Zone fund managers, actually. How about you?
2: Uh, yeah, I got some great emails Um, just giving us background and boots on the ground uh, information. Um about what's going on um so i'm I'm loving the feedback i love when people contact me and if you want to contact me you can go to uh mofax.com that's m-o-e-f-a-c-t-z.com and you can go to the contact uh page and just send me email or anything you guys find interesting yeah the
1: Uh, the feedback i got was um uh from the fund managers of course were saying well if you look at the numbers it really isn't uh doesn't have a big gentrifying effect. That's what now, of course, they're fund managers. Interesting side note to that is they said there's a lot of states and cities mainly run by Democrats, uh, who went who poo pooed the uh the op- the opportunity zone uh tax breaks and you know, and they were too late and so they've actually they've hurt their communities according to the fund managers by not taking advantage of it. So I'm uh, go ahead.
2: Right, so I mean that was one of the things we point out in the show that only eleven percent of the opportunity zones, if I'm with my number is correct, fall into low income areas. Which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because we know the effects of gentrification. Uh, so I mean I don't know how to how to um, basically uh, interpret that number. If that's going to be a good thing that. You know, you don't have like 50, 60 percent of these opportunity zones in poverty in poverty stricken areas. Yeah. Um, and th- I want to make people clear, make things clear. I'm not anti-capitalist. What I am is anti-hypocrisy. So that was the point of the last show was to say you can't say you're anti-gentrification and be pro-opportunity zone. And that's, that was the really thing I want to illustrate with these uh, talking with these uh, think tanks where they were pushing, they were anti-Trump, but pro-his-opportunity uh, zones. You can't, and I think that was being disingenuous.
1: And I think the message came through, because once we got the, and it's been a week since we did this, once we got the message uh, about Jay-Z and the NFL partnership with Rock Nation, I mean, my wife came up to me, Tina the Keeper, she's like, wait a minute, what is this Jay-Z doing? You know, it's like her eyes had been opened. It's
2: like, ah, this is, uh, this is happening everywhere. So, yep, and that's what we learned. Right. And not to get in that too deeply, but that was another case of hypocrisy. It's not great move for him to get, be uh, affiliated with the NFL as a businessman. Uh, Cause uh, I think that open many doors for himself, but to wrap yourself in wokeness, <laughs> you know, and pro black agendas and then do a deal with the NFL is the hypocrisy. Exactly. So, uh, exactly. And these are, these are the things I'm, we want to point out with this show. And even on today's show, I'm going to point that out. Uh, but we're going to start looking at um, conservative think tanks.
1: Yeah. So, yes. so we're, we're still in think tanks and we're looking at the conservative think tanks. Okay, r- good.
2: Correct. So we to bring balance. then I think that's what we want to do with this uh, podcast is to bring balance and look at nuance and not just be uh, pro one side or anti the other side. So just to kind of go into where we want to head. I found this in uh found this video on Prager University or Prager U and just a little background on them. They're uh this is per wiki. Well, per wiki. Uh it says Prager U short for Prager University, is an American nonprofit organiza- organization that creates videos on various political topics, uh political, economic, and um uh, physio- uh physiological topics. From a conservative right wing perspective So right. I think this is where uh, Candace Owens Yes this is the home uh, of Candace Owens videos
1: um, Right It's run by or it's owned by uh, uh, What's his name His name is Prager isn't it The guy who owns it He's had a lot of problems with YouTube And demonetization stuff and But it seems very educational
2: Yes uh, Dennis Prager I think is, right. is his name Dennis Prager exactly Right so what we want to do I found this video and the name, uh, the title of the video was, uh, "The Top Five Issues Facing Black Americans," and this is from a, a right-wing conservative tilt. So what I want to do is go through those top five issues and see if they're valid or if they're politically driven, uh, and you know counterbalance it with some maybe some liberal left-wing talking points, and then find that. Middle ground, halfway, I mean, that's in between where the, where the truth lies.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: All right. So, uh, number five.
3: What are the five biggest issues facing blacks in America? Here's my list. Problem number five, the victim mentality. Nothing holds someone back more than seeing himself as a victim. Why? Because a victim is not responsible for his situation. Everything is someone else's fault. And the victim sees little chance of improving his life. How can he get ahead if someone is holding him back? All this makes the victim unhappy, frustrated, and angry. This is how too many blacks see themselves as victims. So much so that their victim status becomes their primary identity and their ruling ideology. I call it victimology. Unfortunately, many black churches preach this victimology. Many black parents pass it on to their children. Inner city schools teach it to their students and the black media reinforce it, meanwhile, the NAACP and other black grievance groups fundraise on it
1: before you deconstruct this Mo who was this speaking?
2: okay, this is talib Starks Talib Starks, excuse me, and he's the author of number uh, amazon's number one bestseller Black Lies mm-hmm. matter ah, uh, okay, okay. so this is like I said, this is clearly a uh right right wing Tilted um, video. So, and like I said, this is... I consider them a think tank uh, that comes up with the uh, black conservative right wing talking points. Uh, So, he brought up number five being victimology or the victim mentality. Where I stand on that is, I think that is a problem when you say that you are a victim. But, just to push back against that, the of saying that it's unjustified, I think that's where we have an issue at. So let's listen to Larry Elders, which is another uh, right-wing um, pundit talk on victimology. So that there's where you would say that this is purely because of social justice. This Pure, is purely, purely because, because,
4: of, because they want ultimately for people to be angry enough to just keep voting Democrats. That's right. And that would, and where's, where's the evidence of a lack of social justice? When a black... Uh, suspect is killed by by a cop believe me the media is on it people are watching it uh and uh and justice will will for the most part uh, occur
2: so to a point he's correct but we have seen cases where uh black men are killed by the police uh unjustly and seen the police officers get off but let's continue to listen to larry Larry elders in part two Mm. Uh And it turns out cops
4: were more reluctant, more hesitant to pull the trigger against a black- su- black suspect than a white suspect, uh probably because of the fear of being accused of racially profiling and the fear that the civil rights establishment was going to come down on him so if anything uh whites are more likely to be shot by a cop under under certain circumstances than a than a uh than a black person
1: oh, he's just
2: doing statistics right he's doing <laughs> statistics, but the problem is when you say something like that that police are more likely to shoot a white guy yeah. than a black guy. I don't know one. I don't know how you quantify that or how you measure that. And two, if you're here, here's the problem. You have two factions, the left wing and the right wing that are trying to communicate to black people, what their pros are of their, you know, saying ideology. Right. And, and when you come to the point and say, um, uh, that white people are more likely to get shot than black people I think that's hard to prove and it kind of it kind of negatively affects what what you're set out to do
1: well what's I that, mean there's so many qualifiers that you that that you have that you would have to take into account you know under what circumstances what state what crimes I mean there's a you know day night there's a lot of different uh, elements there
2: right and that's the problem that's the problem with that talking point and it's very harmful to his argument because the first part of the first clip he made some very valid points but you can't ignore and i'm what i'm doing is i'm pushing back against right wing talking points to show them how they're ineffective at reaching the average everyday black person and
1: if this, I, this is and if i may say the idea of victimology—that is a conservative talking point—applied uh, to social justice warriors in exactly the same way.
2: That's 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 exactly right, and we do see, uh, we do see the left pushing people to want to be victims of everything. You know, uh, sure. they always talk about the oppressor and um. You, we've even seen this weird thing where white males will tell another white male, that the famous clique, you're a freaking white male. So it's like, what what they've even convinced, this their, their propaganda is so good that it's even convinced white males that they're victims. <laughs> it's uh, so uh, well, weird.
1: Yeah, well, that's the basis of identity politics. Everybody's a victim, now vote for us and we'll take care of you.
2: Right, but what I want to point out to the conservative-slash- right wing which they do have some great they make some excellent points Candace Owens makes excellent points even Larry Elders makes some excellent points but when you put certain uh talking points in with your facts it automatically is like a gag reflex that um black people I hate using that term but black people don't want to hear it it's like no dude what are you talking about we've seen um uh his name slips my mind uh sterling
1: rod sterling he got, he got,
2: no not the, roger <laughs> sterling but the, um the guy in new york they got choked out on the sidewalk i can't breathe yes um and it's michael uh, it brown no michael brown was shot in uh first. Ah,
1: shit you're right
2: it was uh alton sterling alton sterling that was yes the, you guys yes we saw him on tape get choked out uh, yeah, yeah but that but you know, that's like it's almost like
1: Jeffrey Epstein mo it's like we know that that's it, what the story doesn't check out and in this case we know the story doesn't check out sad thing is we actually saw it with our own eyes
2: right and that's what the the what what I'm trying to do is lay out that if you want to be successful at getting the black vote or entertain the black vote or even getting black people to listen to your talking points you have to be genuine. And when you say a white person is more likely to get shot than a black person, and what you have to understand is how that is received, not how it's said. All right. How that is received is if a white guy on Wall Street in a business suit <laughs> is doing a crime, he's more likely to get shot than a black person. That's how it's received. And it's like and your BS detector goes off. Okay. With that said, with that said, we all know that the left pushes uh, victimology as a almost as a religion and let's listen to Stay woke.
5: We're not going to be able to successfully combat the oppressor if we're not united. And I think that it goes beyond our blackness. We need to be pulling together with other marginalized communities, period. But one of the things that I've really been pushing with my friend and brother Charlemagne is banking black. You know, where is your black bank account? Buying black, which means supporting our businesses. You know, by the essence, don't just look at it online. Giving black, whether we're talking about HBCUs, our colleges, whether we're talking about our organizations like Campaign Zero, or Justice League that are doing so many great things, how are we supporting them? And how do we expect them to support us if we're not giving back to them regularly with our time, talent, and our treasure?
2: Okay, so this was Angela Rye. Uh, she was speaking on uh, Stay Woke is the biggest issue uh, excuse me, Stay Woke, the biggest issues facing Black Americans, and it was um, on the Essence channel on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so, some of the things she said is oppressor. Uh, these are these are key words that the left use, and like I said, I don't want to be seen as oppressed. I don't want to be seen as marginalized. You know, um, these are victim. This is victim terminology, right? So, I, like I said, it's, it's you have if I have to choose between these two, uh, one. Like I said, Larry Elder had made some great points, and he has some facts there, but he kind of like oversold it. With some with with some of his talking points, yeah. And if my other option is to be a victim, to be oppressed, marginalized, uh, then I I and Then she said you can't do it on your own. I guess she what she means there is black people can't meet their goals on their own, political goals on their own. We have to, um, make alliances with groups that are pushing things that are deleterious to black. Uh, Black people causes Such as illegal immigration Um, And then she says uh, She brings Charlemagne's name up in this clip And talking about banking black Which we saw in the last
1: Yeah, Charlemagne (laughs) Charlemagne banks At a big white hedge fund As far as we know
2: Right, so (laughs) I'm just going to show How the left is disingenuous Um, So, I mean, that's just with the Number one, yes I think victimhood Is very uh, Victimhood is very damaging To black people But I want to say this Majority of the black people Don't buy into victimology And victimhood It's the, the small minority that's the loudest Um, Here's the thing Well hold on How are they the loudest? You mean on Twitter? Yes mm. You have a small segment Of uh, Activists That are the loudest on Twitter uh, in groups like Black Lives Matter, which we know who funds that, George Soros. Uh, they have the biggest bullhorn. Uh, they have the the um they have the machine that can be activated, and they s- portray themselves the uh to represent the sentiment of black people overall, right? And I well, think that's well. That's, well that's, this hap- that's-
1: this happens with a lot of groups, and you know, you ha- if, if we take into account Twitter, really probably only has five or ten percent of the american population using the platform actively um you know but they you get a blue check mark and then you're you're a part of the game and then that game is allowed to flow over to other online publications and from there it goes into broadcast cable news that's kind of the system that's that's there not just for black agenda or uh, or or victimization it's for everything that seems to be the way it works
2: And I think that's a great segue into number four, because what we look at, the problem why this is so uh, impactful to black people is because you don't have a diversity that white America has of opinion. So when you have a Fox News counterbalancing uh, CNN or MSNBC, you don't have a black version of Fox News counterbalancing what CNN and MSNBC pushes.
3: So let's listen to number four. Problem number four. Lack of diversity. Blacks repeatedly demand an honest dialogue or debate about race. But how can there ever be an honest dialogue about race between blacks and whites when there is virtually no honest dialogue between blacks and blacks? It's hypocritical. And if a black doesn't think whites are ultimately responsible for black people's problems, they're labeled a sellout, Uncle Tom, or race traitor. As long as this type of groupthink exists, race reverence of the Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson type Will continue to be celebrated while independent black thinkers such as professors Thomas Sowell and Walter Williams will be shunned. The honest race dialogue and debate that first has to happen is not between blacks and whites, but between blacks and blacks. We demand diversity from others, but need to practice it ourselves where it really matters in thought, opinion, and even political affiliation. Right.
2: So, this is what we talk about on the show before. That- Democrats, black people vote majority democratically. So with that comes uh, the progressive ideology that comes with it. And Republicans Uh say, well, we're not going to get the black vote. And they don't spend any time. Zero. They don't uh, care. Yeah. Uh, Well, not zero. Because we've seen in recent, like in the last election, Trump has paid more attention to the black uh black uh community right but, than we're, but we're talking
1: about republicans not Trump
2: <laughs> that's right well, that's a, yeah okay yeah fair, fair point fair point fair point so you know it's like it's the forgotten and and in the first problem he laid out that victimology is pushed in the church correct uh as one of the vehicles so uh Reverend Jasper William Jr was at the Aretha Franklin funeral and he laid out some of the issues plaguing uh, the uh, black society.
6: 70% of our households are led by our precious, proud, fine black women. But as proud, beautiful, and fine as our black women are, one thing a black woman cannot do A black woman cannot raise a black boy to be a man. When the police kills one of us, we're ready to protest, march, destroy innocent property. We're ready to loot, steal, whatever we want. But when we kill 100 of us, Nobody says anything. And whenever you take a foreign object and you put it into the womb before that baby is born, that's abortion before birth. And when that home is not like it ought to be, the father's not doing his part, the mother not doing her part, and the child has deficits. That's abortion after
2: birth.
1: In uh, in my experience, my observation these are all pretty much conservative talking points
2: correct and, but he's not a conservative person
1: right, but this is uh, something that whenever someone says oh white ki- white cops kill black black people more often then it's all you often hear well there was 50 shootings in chicago this weekend we didn't hear about that
2: as usual adam you're getting a sir. I'm sorry. But, I
1: should, no, I, no, no, no. No, it's
2: I, good that you brought that up because yes, that's the reason. But I need to do my Becky voice when I
1: do that. So,
2: right. That's the reflexive thing, and it's 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 harmful to the argument that people try to make. Uh, but as you, he laid out all of the, the progressive ideologies that come with the Democratic Party, and when he done, when he did that, of course, he was mess, met with pushback and it came under fire black america has lost its soul
3: in two days
5: after the Queen of Soul is laid to rest, the Atlanta pastor who delivered her eulogy is now coming under fire for remarks made about the black community during that service. Our Christy Etheridge is joining us now from the newsroom. And Christy, we understand that Reverend Jasper Williams is expected to address the media about these comments that got so many people talking.
3: A lot of people talking, Jennifer, but it doesn't seem to be an apology he's planning. He says he plans to, quote, steadfastly, eloquently, and unapologetically explain the biblical perspective he shared in that eulogy. Jasper Williams is pastor. Emeritus at Salem Bible Church here in Atlanta, Aretha Franklin asked him specifically to speak at her funeral. But when he did, some are calling the comments he made demeaning to black people. He said that Black America had lost its soul. He also criticized black on black crime and said single mothers are incapable of raising sons by themselves.
1: Okay.
2: So we have a reverend here, uh that uh preaches the Bible. And in the Bible, you know, it says, "Uh, no sex outside of marriage," which means you need to have two parents raising the child. I mean, that that would be, you know, like understandable. "Uh, thou should not kill." Uh, he brings up black on black crime, uh, and you know, all the other things that go along with the the Christian faith, and he comes under fire for it. <laughs> what is he thinking? <laughs> like, right? So that goes to show you, and this goes into what you were saying. It goes on Twitter. This clip went on Twitter. It became viral. And then it bleeds over into the uh, the into national the news news. media.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: So this clip illustrates how that works. Now, black people as a whole agree with what Mr. Uh, or excuse me, Reverend Jasper Williams is saying. But the outrage machine keeps the majority of black people quiet.
1: Yeah, because you don't want to get caught up in the in the machine. It can rip you apart
2: right cuz once you uh once you step out there um and, and seen as as something that's uh not accepted by the black community then you're shunned Uh you're called all kind of names uh as the guy laid out in uh, when he uh illustrated problem number 4 mhm and it, it, you get you get isolated uh so you have to remain quiet
1: how can i ask you something Mo? how How real is this uh, when it comes to new media? As an example, you've been doing a lot of YouTube videos. You're doing this show. Do you get called names for it?
2: I I have, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they don't affect me because I know what my cause is. And it's to bring, and I want to make clear what my cause is. My cause is pro-truth. So what I try to do, and I think it's similar to what you try to do, uh, is to make people Understand how they're being Played. manipulated. Played. Right. Played. Played. Yeah. If you can understand how the mechanism works that's playing you, then you can defuse it and it no longer is rendered effective on you.
1: Which so often comes down to listening carefully because words matter.
2: Correct. And understand like it's like we just illustrated here. Um you have a group like Black Lives Matter and other progressive groups that have bots that can take a viral video, whether it's pro or con of it, and paint it in a good light or a negative light, it then bleeds over into the normal, uh, uh, into your into your feed. Um, once it gets into your feed and you see how it's being tilted one way, uh, then it bleeds over into national news. Yeah. And not to repeat myself, but that's how it works. And even if you're against it, A lot of people don't have courage to say they're against it. Well, and if
1: you're against it, then you get the gang up. And that's, you know, now for me, that's second nature almost. I've been in the public eye since I was, you know, 19, actually earlier, if you take the pirate radio stuff into account. But it's not always easy to be called all kinds of names and spat on on Twitter. Even though it's Twitter, uh, you know, we saw this progression. Uh, there was bullying and then it's uh, social justice and you know it doesn't matter and now it's just you rip someone apart and it's not easy for people uh, who just want to stand up and say something it's, it's it's challenging
2: and then you have the council culture uh, <laughs> that was the next
1: point yes exactly
2: right so that that's one of the things that we you're saying, that we see especially for black people with high visibility and I think that's what Jay Z went, went through is you know he's teetering on the cancel culture. Now he has enough equity in the black community where um, he won't be outright canceled, but a good friend of mine and and me were having a conversation and I asked, was this Jay Z's Bill Cosby pull up your pants moment? Mm. The reason why I asked that is Bill Cosby being taken down. uh, Let's be clear. Bill Cosby did things that were wrong. and, And that's not even an argument that needs to be discussed. But where we see it as when he like told people, pull up your pants you know, and be respectable, a good segment of black society, like you're not supposed to say that to us. And when he did that, he lost a lot of support in the black community. Whereas with the R. Kelly, he done even more despicable things that have been have physical evidence of it. But, but, he for didn't, some reason, but he didn't
1: tell you to pull up your pants now, did he?
2: Right. So you see the difference. Yeah. And, and it. So what I'm saying about Jay Z, by the way, it, his I'm, so, I'm,
1: I'm sorry to interrupt, Mo. No, no problem. When Bill Cosby said that, and we're talking, do
2: you remember what year that was? I think it was uh, mid '90s. I want to say that's mid 90s. that's
1: what I thought. Um, I was probably I don't know if I was still on MTV, but I was probably doing my radio show. But I was I was in popular culture, and to be honest, I remember white people going, "Yeah, hell yeah." Tell them to pull up their pants. I hate that
2: look. I mean, it's just, so it was actually bad on both sides. And my dad, he was like, he wasn't going for it. Your pants go around your waist. What's wrong with you, boy? You know what I'm saying? We're like, <laughs> yes. uh, so he said nothing wrong. It's the fact that if except you say except for those young
1: guys, those crisscross jump around. I don't mind if they wear their pants backwards. That's fine.
2: <laughs> that wasn't. Fly. And you know what? the Funny story is, I tried that. <laughs> i was 12 maybe 12 13 years old when jump around came out it was the weirdest thing man and my dad caught me going down the steps he's like what in the so i'm i'm facing (laughs) so i'm my back's to him but my clothes is facing him
1: (laughs) Uh uh-huh so yeah and that didn't
2: go over too well did it He's like, if you don't get your ass back in here looking crazy, so that just goes to show the respectability is there, but now you can't say it. Yes. Uh so just to get back on track, uh, we have um, a popular uh, ESPN host, Stephen A. Smith, and he came out about Black people voting for the GOP. Stephen
7: A. said that every Black person in America should vote Republican for at least one election. Stephen A. Smith is joining me now. Stephen, who are you trying to send a message to? Republicans, Democrats, African-Americans, all of the above? I'd go with all of the above. That sounds about right. But specifically the Democratic Party from the standpoint that I definitely believe that the black vote has been taken for granted. And primarily the black community is is at fault in my estimation in that regard, simply because on one hand, we're giving one party our vote because they've successfully gone about the business of convincing our community that the other party, the Republican Party, is completely against the interest of the black community. And as a result, we've been very transparent in our support. We've boarded hook, hook, line, and sinker. We look at the Republican Party. I'm not talking about every single one of us, of course, but vast majority of black Americans look at the Republican Party as the enemy. We look at the Democratic Party or even tacitly as our support base, and as a result, we are very transparent in our support for them. So because of it, they have a license to take us for granted. The Republican Party has a license to summarily dismiss us because they believe they'll never get our vote anyway, and then we end up finding our Self, devoid of any kind of representation whatsoever, because nobody is really competing to garner our vote and our support.
2: Hmm. So when Stephen A. Smith came out and said this, oh my!
7: Now I bet uh, shit hit the fan.
2: He was called every kind of name listed before, and one not listed by the gentleman that laid out problem number four, and that is the c word. That is coon. C O O N. And just let people know a black man calling another black man coon is the equivalent of a white man calling a black man a nigger. Good to know it holds that way. And I've seen this weird thing where white liberals are allowed to call black people coons. And I'm like, what? Yes. On social media, you will see this. If you see somebody step up, uh, uh, say for instance, like a Candace Owens or some uh, Kanye. Yes, I saw many people, even white people, are calling him Kanye.
1: Now that <laughs> Kanye is, we we know we've agreed he's bulletproof, so that not the best example. It Doesn't matter no, what you call him, he can do anything but, he wants.
2: <laughs> but what I'm saying is, they were given the license. Wow. White liberals were given a license to kill Kanye Kunye. Now, who is which, who is in charge of the
1: licensing department for this?
2: <laughs> it's a loosely based organization, you know. <laughs> okay. got it. All right. I'd like so, to attend uh, a
1: meeting. I'd like to, to learn more.
2: Right. Um. Yeah. I could. I could. I could talk to you on some batch tones about that, sir. Uh. But. Um,
1: <laughs> but I get but it. I the, get uh, it. I get the the issue. Yeah. yeah. It's not. It's not the thing you say.
2: Right, so with Steve, but it's acceptable. Hmm. It's, it's and and we have to go back. Liberal ideologies come down for people like George Soros that fund groups like Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter c- attack people that have a diversity of thought. So it's really you doing the bidding of a white man like George Soros. So this is weird thing in the name of blackness. I don't understand it. I mean, my my mind can't wrap around it. But yeah. And Stephen A. Smith has done a complete, even though he he was valid in what he said about voting GOP, to send a message to Democrats. And it's actually similar to my message of telling people not to vote or, or vote against Democrats uh, to send a message to let them know the, about our uh, political maturing process. He received so much blowback that he attacked Colin Kaepernick when Colin Kaepernick refused to vote. Well, now if Kyler Kaepernick was to vote, he only had one choice. Right. Is it, is it <laughs> uh, culture?
1: Now, I agree that uh, most uh, black people vote for the Democratic Party. Are they uh, politically active in general? And, of course, we're generalizing. Um, that they
2: also register Democrat and vote in primaries? No, they don't want you to vote in primaries. I mean, they don't really want you voting in primaries. That way, the uh, party can get the vote, the candidate in there. They won't, and we, we're seeing this. Um, we've seen this before. It's all in the keyword, and it's a meme. And I, I've called it two, three, four times. Activate. You only activate when we activate you.
1: Ah, when you. Uh, oh my goodness! Yes, that that is exactly the word. Sure, we've we've been in every episode almost.
2: Right, so you lay dormant, you let us pick the candidate, and then once his time goes to generals, we, we we activate you. Bo, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> right, is that, <laughs> what is wrong? So, to bring a conservative uh, tilt to uh, what the gentleman said, uh, Talib said, he brought up a name, Thomas Sowell. Yes. Uh, and let's just see about his facts and fallacies.
0: Race wasn't. The basis of slavery? Oh, it's a simple historical matter. Uh, slavery existed for thousands of years, as far back as there are any records of human beings. Uh, archaeological finds suggest that race, race that slavery rather existed before human beings could read and write. So. But race, a racial difference between the slaves and the enslavers, that is a relatively new phenomenon. You, you didn't have in ancient times the ability to go to another continent and move millions of people across, of a different race across the ocean. So you enslaved the people who were nearby. The Europeans enslaved Slavs for centuries before they, enslaved, before they brought the first black uh, African to the Western Hemisphere. Okay, but so you're not suggesting... You do not wish to say anything other than that slavery, as practiced in the United States, was—it may have been recent—but you'd, you'd be willing to grant that it was particularly perverse and 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 destructive. No, it's, because, it's, because race got mixed into it at that point, right? Race got mixed into it in the United States more than anywhere else for a very simple reason: the United States was founded, as the Declaration said, uh, of the independence said. Uh, Men are all men are created equal, right? If that's true, then the only way you can justify slavery is to say that some men are less than men. i see. All right,
2: so that's the uh, uh, Thomas Sowell, and he made some great, uh, some valid points about slavery existing before American slavery and it being uh, interracial, but it was the uh,
1: hypocrisy of the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence,
2: right? But when you say That And this is, like I said, it's not how it's said But how it's received Uh, Because, I'm going to be honest with you I have this racial gag Reflex as well Just It's a natural thing Growing up as a black man in America When you hear certain things that you've learned All your life And you hear it, you actually gag to it Because when you hear Things say, oh, American racism Wasn't really racially based What? I mean Right that discredits everything you said before that um now is it his com is his the is uh his points nuanced? yes, they are, but I'm just telling you why I'm trying to explain explain to people why conservative talking points fall deaf on black ears. This is what I'm trying to illustrate here um that's why I illustrate with the Larry elders clip i'm uh, illustrating here with the Thomas Sowell clip. he said a lot of facts in there. But when you implant that one, it's like the the pee in the mattress, Yeah, Uh, (laughs) it makes it very uncomfortable to take what you're saying as valid when you say things like American uh, slavery was not racially based. Well, then why is he saying this? And he's well respected. Uh, Here's the thing. Are they equally... Um trying to persuade people the same way that people on the left are? Well, that's
1: are we, that's the that's the idea you get when you hear this little uh you know, this little embedded nugget that is clearly meant to plant something in your mind. Yeah, what else can I conclude?
2: Right. You're trying to make and here's here's this this is how inside baseball. Um when black people hear this, what it sounds like is you're trying to absolve white people of the racist actions that happened in America in its past. I can see how that would be interpreted that way. Of course. So when you do that, you lose all credibility. Even you have, you, you have facts, you have numbers, you have stats, you know what I'm saying? Charts and everything. Um, but when you plant that little nugget in there and I'm, I don't know if he's doing it on his own or it's like, Hey, you know, kind of takes of the pressure off for of us. I I don't know. Well, it's but, al-
1: It's also a um, that, you know, the fact that there were white slaves, that the first slave owner was black. You know, these are all uh, talking points that are used in counter arguments uh, and, in fact, actual counter arguments about, oh, how would we do reparations? Because dot, 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 implying it was not a racial issue.
2: Right. But it did have racial. um aspects to it of course uh uh especially american slavery let's be clear and especially american slavery under uh because it existed before america existed on this continent but you know under when you and it's the hypocrisy even he laid it out it's the hypocrisy when you say all men are created equal but this certain group is counted as three-fifths and we know where that origin of that number comes from yeah uh they're uh they're treated differently And like I said before, in interracial um, slavery, if I was able to buy my freedom, you couldn't tell that I was a slave anymore. With American slavery, even though if I was able to buy my freedom, my skin makes me still a slave in people's mind. Right on. So I I think that's the difference. And when they say it all about the slobs and that kind of thing, uh, it's totally different totally different uh so let's just keep moving and i want to show even in television our diversity of thought is not allowed because we have to keep these stereotypical ideas going and what we're going who we're going to hear from now is James amos uh that was the father on the popular show good times
8: the differences we had on that show and we had a number of differences uh, as evidenced by my early departure from the show, was I felt that with two other younger children, one of whom to aspire, who aspired to become a Supreme Court justice, that would be uh, Ralph Carter or Michael, and the other, uh, Bernadette Stennis, I think, she aspired to become a surgeon. And the differences I had with the producers of the show was that I felt too much emphasis was being put on jj and his chicken hat and saying dynamite every third page when just as much emphasis and mileage could have been gotten out of my other two children and the concomitant jokes and and you know humor that could have come out of that but i wasn't the most diplomatic guy like i said in those days and they got tired of having their lives threatened over jokes so they said to tell you what why don't we kill him off and we'll get on with our we'll all get on with our lives life's too short. So that taught me a lesson that I wasn't as important as I thought I was to the show or to Norman Lear's plans. Ah. And he was not about to have a disruptive factor. That was me a disruptive factor.
1: Okay, I caught that one. I know what that's about.
2: What, what did you catch, Adam? Uh, Norman
1: Lear is what I caught. That's a familiar name to me.
2: And for the no, non no, no agenda listeners, who is Norman Lear? Norman
1: Lear. Uh, was the producer of All in the Family and I want to say The Jeffersons. And was he also the producer of Good Times? I didn't know that. Yes. Wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) Uh, I believe Norman Lear is still alive. He certainly, his work is still alive as for years he has run something called the Hollywood Health and Society. Uh, I think it's called Foundation. And they provide... Uh, script help. Uh, they start, I think it started with medical dramas. That's kind of how they got into the business and they would hire doctors to then consult on, uh, you know, what's the Clooney uh, thing, uh, uh, whatever that series was that he started in. But, you know, me- medical drama. Uh, but really, social justice issues, writing scripts. They've done a lot of work on uh, uh, popular shows now like um, uh, Modern Family and they slip in climate change stuff and Uh, And to me, it's very obvious. And they put a lot of very uh, active things in uh, that are that are actual news at the time. And uh, they're very deeply entrenched in Hollywood. And and they do this work unquestioned. And they're seen as the experts on almost everything. So you can't it's like hiring IBM. You can't go wrong if you bring in uh, bring in the Hollywood Health and Society Lear Foundation. It's all good. Is this where uh, I'll share a little bit of uh, how they talk? Yes, please. This is Martin Kaplan of the Hollywood Health and Society. Uh, It's a multi-part talk that he gave, but this is the uh, boasting about how much involvement they have in Hollywood scripts.
7: So in the course of our work, this is uh, uh, in the two years, 11 to 13, 335 storylines that we uh, worked on
1: uh, have been aired. We've worked with 35 networks in the past four years. 91 different television shows and this clip is i want to say five years old at least maybe even older
2: so you now you see the impact even pre the uh lear foundation of them shaping uh ideas of how black people are to be uh perceived um so and just a background on the good time show it was about uh, a mother a father and three children. You had JJ, who was an aspiring artist, and basically a class clown. Uh, then you had the second child, which is uh uh Thelma, I believe her name was, and she was an aspiring surgeon and dancer, and then you had the youngest child who wanted to be the next uh third good marshal. That that was that was his thing. Right. But with the show, it was like, like uh, um, uh, John Amos said, it was all about dynamite, you know, and, and you know, so
6: uh,
2: and, do it, do and it again, John- Mo, do it again, dynamite. <laughs> so John Amos would actually threaten these people's lives, as he says <laughs> because of the bullcrap they tried to push through the show. Yeah, and eventually, what happened was he was fired off of a successful show. Uh, if, if you listen to the clip, it goes on. He tells us. And I just want to um, paraphrase. He he was fired because he was upsetting the apple cart. Uh, and what they did then was just make the show about uh, doom and gloom. <laughs> I mean, which it was. it was. It was based in the projects of Chicago. Right. right I mean, right, so. Right. But it was about uh, scratching and surviving. If you say if you if you listen to the theme song. So. um, Yeah. So what they did was kill. They killed off the black man.
1: <laughs> yes,
2: well, I mean, don't we see a common theme here yes, and then they and then they let the shenanigans go, yeah, uh, uh, just let it fly loose, so I mean, I just want to show you that even in television, uh they shape a certain narrative, there's no balance, there's no, and even when you have a strong person like John Amos trying to push balance from within. Uh, they'll get rid of you,
1: and also the the flow of an organization like the Lear Hollywood Health and Society Foundation is you know there's a lot of people who who consult and they flow in and they're in production companies and then down the road they're running stuff and and that's one of the many ways Hollywood has historically received its left leaning ideology.
2: Right, and and that's that's exactly correct, and. Like I said, it's just, there is no diversity and it's oh, all, it's oh, all
1: controlled. It's all controlled one way or the other.
2: Right. And it's controlled from the very top and the very top as we've, I've tried to repeatedly and I know maybe, uh, people get tired of me saying this, but on the left, it is generated from white people. Yep. Even when you go back to the NAACP, you know, that was started by majority white people, uh, almost all white people except for W.E.B. Du Bois. And he was really, let me see his, his role. Let me pull, uh not to belabor the point, but I just want to show you what, who, this was their uh, original uh, founders and roles they played. Um, you had national president of the NAACP. You had Moorfield Story, white guy. Uh, Chairman of executive committee, William English Wallings, white guy. Treasurer, uh, John E. Mill Holland, white guy, uh, dispersing treasurer uh, Oswald Garrison Villard, white guy, uh, executive secretary Francis uh, Blayscor, uh, <laughs> white guy, white. yeah. And then you have director of publicity and research W E B Du Bois, which was a uh, mulatto.
1: Well, you know what you're implying here. Is that there has always been white control over, um, and it's, of course, likely true, just looking at the numbers, uh, over black culture, and certainly in television, movie entertainment. Um, Do you think that, as then, today, they have inherent, purposeful, racist ideas, or do you think that these people are trying to do well and are completely missing the mark?
2: I think they have uh, elitist ideas Mm -hmm. and with, when you have a group as such as black people who started out, I mean, I guess we need to accept the fact that slavery has had an impact uh, on black people as uh, being, um, uh, uh, not a good start, (laughs) not a good start. Right, right. right. (laughs) And it's a good, it's a good meme of that. Uh, and, you have the guy, white guys, it's like a race. You have the white guys taking off running and the black people are held back at the starting line. And then like, it's like, then they let the black people go. I mean, the black runner go. Mm-hmm. So that's what illustrated. And then you factor in um, all the things we laid out before, uh, such as Jim Crow. And then you have policies like no man in the house and welfare and these kind of things that just you know made it worse. Where are all these policies coming from? We Black people know, uh, I, I think it's, disingenuous to say black people create their own problems Uh, yes on the very bottom level but we have to go up the ladder and see where they're uh, instituted it so um, I think that kind of works us into problem number three
3: problem number three urban terrorism as just about everyone knows but too few talk about publicly in majority black cities violent black on black crime is rampant A Department of Justice study from 1980 through 2008 revealed that blacks accounted for almost half of the nation's homicide victims, 47.4 percent, and more than half of the offenders, 52.4 percent, all while being 13 percent of America's population. The Tuskegee Institute conducted a study of all known lynchings of blacks that occurred between 1882 through 1968. During this 86-year span, which is essentially the post-Civil War era up to the Civil Rights era, 3,446 blacks were reportedly lynched. Presently, black-on-black murder eclipses the number of blacks lynched over the course of 80 years, roughly every six months. Unbelievably, the culpability for this disproportionate amount of mayhem actually lies with the menacing 2-3% minority within the black populace. I call them urban terrorists. And since they're literally spawned from problem number two, the black community protects them.
1: Having seen this video before we started the show, I have a problem mm-hmm. with this one. This is a false equivalency, in my opinion.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. And this is where they lose any support that they may garner with their facts. Uh, yes, black on black crime is a thing. But if that's a thing, then white on white crime needs to be a thing. But you never ever hear about like mass shootings described as white on white crime.
1: No, uh, no, that's uh, Nazis,
2: right? Uh, and with that said, even he illustrated that it's a very very small minority of the black community that participates in this criminality. But what it does is make it seem that all black people participate in criminality, and even to black people that call themselves woke, I even had this argument. I was like, do you realize? um, Let me just pull up some facts. Um, uh, I'm going by the NAACP criminal sheet. uh, And it says... uh, Let's see. In 2014, African-Americans constituted 2.3 million of the total 6.8 million correctional population. Now, that is... 34 percent. Right. Yeah. Which is that's the, that's the problem. That is the problem, because if it's equally distributed, then you would have uh, it more reflect that we are 13 percent of the population. And then we should only represent 13 percent of the correctional population. So that is the problem. But the way they frame that number and numbers are important because you have to look at, look at them in the proper context. Yeah. Now, there's two point three million p- um people in prison. Correct. This is from the NAACP. Now, if I let me see, black population, I think the black population in America is somewhere around 30 million. So when you do that number, that's less than 10%. You know, uh somewhere like I think like six percent. Mm-hmm. But you would make it the way that Democrats talk about how the impact of the criminal justice system affects black people, you would think your number would be around 30, 40 percent. So you're letting six percent of the population Um, control the policies that are important to black people.
1: That doesn't sound uh, logical.
2: Right. And on the other hand, as you said, um, the Republican talking points make it seem like uh, all black people are criminals as well. uh, Or or, uh, the black on black crime, and then they use the murder rate and these things, Um, which is totally... 13% of your population is black people. Half of that 6.5% shouldn't account for 50% of the murders. We totally understand that is way out of your sand distribution. Mm -hmm. We get, we get that. But what this is where the conservatives have a problem. They don't want to look at the root causes of why, um, and let's look at, this is ta Coates, and he's speaking on enduring the myth of black uh, criminality.
7: In fact, there's a long history in this country of dealing with problems in the African-American community through criminal justice system, criminalizing social problems in a way that we don't do in other communities. For instance, If you you know looked at the research, you would find that somewhere around 60 to 70 percent of the people in in prisons and in jails are suffering some sort of mental health problem. Upwards of 50 percent you know go in there dealing with some sort of chemical dependency. Viewed from another lens, these are public health problems. One could look at you know the massive number of African American men who, who are out of out of work and the intersection between that and prison. Well, one could look at where prisons are located. And, you know, you would find that a lot of times prisons are located in rural regions, you know, where all other industries effectively shut down. And you might think of that as actually an employment problem and not a criminal justice problem. The enduring view of African Americans in this country is as a race of people uh, who are prone to criminality. Hmm.
1: Again, it's it's all false equivalencies that that lead to this.
2: Yes. And the problem with, It's when you have uh, two ways you look at the same thing. When you see a a mass shooter, you're saying of the white variety, male. The Republicans say it's a mental health issue. You know, it's uh, you know, which rightfully so. These I'm saying these people do have problems. But when you they talk about black on black crime, you never hear. No, it's not a mental health problem. Just evil. Right, he was in are naturally that way. You know what I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and then they don't say that, but the absence of bringing up mental health issues and uh, uh desperation and uh chemical dependency on drugs, uh, even the way we look at the opioid addiction compared to um, the crack epidemic of the eighties it's totally looked totally at differently.
1: Different. And and we just saw this with the shooter in. Um where was he, the guy who uh, who was a Philadelphia? So first of all, the news media is not that interested because, oh, damn, it's not a crappy-ass white guy who's doing it, so we can't pull the, the Nazi white uh, supremacist card. And, right. And then not a single mention of mental health or anything like that, a guy who's spraying hundreds of bullets around, killing all or hitting all kinds of people. Uh, I didn't hear it once.
2: Not once, and I'm just as guilty of that. You you never hear it because I think with uh, with mass shooters you have a face, and you have a name, and you can really dig into the background of those people. Right. I mean, to that person. Well, that, well black...
1: that's that's a great point because the media does not do that. You don't know the the name of the guy who who shot up Philly. You don't know that. You... It was a black guy with a gun. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Identified.
2: Done. Right. <laughs> that's how they look at it, and it's. You're right. I'm here. I'm here to point out the in uh the inequality and the in, the hypocrisy. Well, now in how it, things but, are covered, but That's is, is that not
1: what social justice warriors? Because I just admitted to it. It's like I don't. I know I didn't think of it. I know I didn't think of it that way. I was thinking of other things, like oh, the media is not doing their job. But I didn't take it one more step further. So is is this not what we define systemic racism?
2: Yes, this is this is a form of it and that's it's systemic racism is, uh, systemic racism is almost faceless. Right. The same way elites are faceless. The real people that run this world and push these things down on us, we don't identify them. You know, we identify their talking heads, but just to go and show you that it's not only a uh white person's problem that Uses the black on black crown talking point. Let's listen to Larry Elder's uh, on Black on Black Crime.
4: So-called activists saying this is the assumption that racism remains a major problem in America. The media, CNN, especially MSNBC, runs down whenever a black cop shoots somebody uh, and, it, and it's a, some, some march on Washington. It's ridiculous. Uh, black people, half the homicides in this country are committed by and against black people. Last year there were 14,000 homicides not talking about suicides, I'm talking about homicides. Mm-hmm. Um, half of them were black, 96% of them black on black of that 7,000. There's a black, black lives matter people on that. Hmm.
2: He's talking about police shooting black men. yeah, And then he pivots to the black on black, black on black crime argument, which those are two totally separate things. But they it's a it's it's a uh, it's a natural uh, tool of deflection. It's like, oh, we don't want to talk about that, you know, uh, and we do have a problem. Uh, with like I said before, with the gentleman that you know, was choked out, I can't breathe. Uh, with uh, Philando Castile, who, who was shot on camera, he was a legal, he was a legal carry. Castile carry. Where was the NWA, I mean, When was the NRA on that? You think the NRA would have been all over that? You know, uh, to say we have a guy with a legal Castile carry shot by the police, uh, killed on camera on Facebook Live, but no, there's no interest in that. Uh and Larry Elders, I think, if I'm not mistaken, is pro NRA. So but he didn't take that angle. He said, Oh, well, black people kill black people too. Uh and a and higher rate. So it's just this weird thing that they just want to deflect. And once again, that makes their facts, which are true and accurate, uh null and void when talking to black people. But,
1: Another thing By the, the way, we we also never discuss um mental health or medication when it comes to cops killing anybody
2: well we know why we don't never talk about medication uh in general well because Uh, the the
1: news media is bought off paid for every commercial is big pharma so there's it's not going to be a discussion i'm sure you mean that
2: correct uh and that's a good point i've never heard a cop justify using uh, or it
1: ever be an accusation like what was wrong with this guy did he wig out is he nuts is he on ssris I mean you never you, think about it never but i tell you one thing: i know a lot of cops i grew up with cops in jersey and firemen and they got problems they got huge problems and specifically mental health problems from the shit they witness and see it's uh you, you know sometimes you gotta
2: wonder you're exactly correct and when you said that i just had a uh this like it just hit me. It hit me that I've never heard that argument. And but I've seen on HBO uh they had an old uh series where talking about cops and the stress they go through and uh and the bull crap they see every day. So yeah, there will have to be a, a large percentage of cops dealing with mental health issues. That's it. that's I'm gonna have had to look into that.
1: Well and uh, <laughs> and I'll just and I'll just give you something from recent times is uh just imagine you're a cop, you're in New York City, and you go and try and, as you perceive, protect or serve the community, and the community turns around and is dumping bu- buckets of water on you. You're not allowed to do anything because your boss is an idiot. Whatever whatever the situation is, to say that doesn't affect you is very short-sighted. It's got to affect a person. Like, what the, I mean, if someone's just yelling at you and doing shit and you can't do anything,
2: that's going to affect your performance. And that was the weird thing because due to the uh, war on drugs, some of the most original people calling for heavy policing in the black community were black politicians and even the black people that lived in those neighborhoods, rightfully so.
1: And the NRA uh, saying, black people, you need to arm yourselves.
2: Right, but we've seen this 180 of black people uh, being Mm anti-police uh uh because of the um the over-policing uh because of we've seen unfair laws um the crack cocaine to powder cocaine disparity we're saying this,
1: this is widely known but i don't know if it's well understood and there's some conspiracy issues to it that are that are annoying for the for the truth uh but you know what happened and it's it's you know it's linked into iran contra and all kinds of big government scams and schemes how crack cocaine got on the streets of america is is a, a very uh, uniquely american problem
2: and that's a great segue into Gary Webb in his own words.
9: My name's Gary Webb. I am an investigative journalist. I've been an investigative journalist for about 25 years for daily newspapers. And in 1996, I wrote a series of stories entitled Dark Alliance, uh, which was about CIA involvement in drug trafficking. What my story showed was that The cocaine that was being sold in those neighborhoods uh, was coming from mainly one source, and this one source was being used to finance a guerrilla war in in Central America. The general idea of the CIA dealing drugs um, was something that the American mainstream press had never written about before, and that's why it prompted outrage among blacks, among drug reform activists among uh, politicians by the cia by every federal agency involved in the drug war because it showed they weren't doing their jobs that it was a fraud
2: so as you brought up why don't conservatives ever discuss that you know they act like that these kids have just gone crazy uh they don't look at the source of how those drugs made it into those communities. And if they did, that would make a valid argument. And the funny thing is, even the Democrats don't discuss this uh, now.
1: And, but there's, and that very man, Gary Webb, who did the investigation wound up shooting himself twice in the head with a gun in his left hand.
2: Right. Two to the head. Yep. Uh, And if you go Google, uh, I mean, go look on YouTube You'll find Maxine Waters in her early days uh, uh, trumpeting these claims. But now that she's become establishment, you haven't heard a peep out of her since. And do we really think that the uh, I think they've become more efficient and let the cartels run it. But at the end of the day, I think there's some kind of still government ties to uh, drugs being brought into these to these communities.
1: And I recommend the movie. Is it American Gangster? Right, with Denzel, and that's uh, it's a based on the true story of how these drugs were smuggled in. It's it's a great movie.
2: Yes, it is a great movie. And just to go back to this disparity of sentencing between crack cocaine and powder cocaine, uh, it was uh, what was it, nineteen eighty six uh, bill that it was a hundred to one ratio. Mm-hmm. So if you had a uh, one gram of crack would be equal to a hundred grams of powder cocaine. Do you come up with that uh that calculation and the irony of it crack cocaine actually has less cocaine in it it's, It has
1: more uh you know uh Filler. ammonia <laughs> and, and uh, what else is in there uh, the,
2: uh baking soda
1: <laughs> baby laxatives. laxatives that's it baking soda and laxatives mm-hmm yeah. But you
2: get a hundred and one disparity.
1: Now this is something and, and, that Obama tried to correct it during his administration.
2: Oh yes, he corrected the uh, 2010 Fair Sentencing Act, and let's see here. Oh, he brought it down from a hundred and one to eighteen to one. Thank you, Obama. <laughs> hey, it's better than nothing. <laughs> but,
1: but, i'm laughing i'm laughing mo because i've been on this story you know for 25 years i've been like what is going on with this and no one ever really talks about it but i think it's look at the people who are still in congress uh they were around when this when this scam took place you know you're in your 70s you were you were knowledgeable you were around this is uh this is a, a huge scourge on american politics Uh, This uh, this uh, this uh, from Iran Contra all the way to the the money being used from the crack cocaine being sold on the streets of Los Angeles,
2: mainly. And just to show you, uh, this is a television clip from a television show. But just to show you, it's a uh, misconception that black people accept criminality. Now, that has been forced on us through mass media entertainment and accepting of drug dealers as heroes if you look at the show uh, rock that was on fox uh we'll see that wasn't the case in in the early 90s
4: i got a nice little thing going across the street you understand and i don't need somebody like you messing things up with your little phone calls to the police and your stupid ass block parties this ain't none of your damn business man you understand i'm trying to get paid you understand and i don't need you butt into my affairs I thought this was a nice neighborhood, man. Yeah, it was a nice
6: neighborhood. It's always been a nice neighborhood. Yeah, well, I hear what you're saying, brother. But I'm a businessman, you know what I mean? You're a businessman? That's right. Is that what you call yourself? You ain't no businessman. You're a murderer. And you're killing your own people. Now, you may have done your killing someplace else, but it ain't happening here. I don't think I made myself clear. I don't want your drugs... I don't want your money. I want your sorry ass out of my house and off my street. You understand?
4: Okay, well, now you
3: gotta stop this now.
4: Say out of this, Ellen. I don't home think home. you wanna do this, G. Oh, yeah, I've been wanting to do this ever since you moved. No, I don't think you wanna find one of these loved ones of yours in one of those garbage cans you pick.
6: <laughs> if you ever so much as look in that direction, I'll run down on you and I'll break your back. Oh, don't you hurt you it, crazy. son. You, not here? Crazy? Ah, you don't know
10: how crazy I am.
2: So that goes to show you. That black people, especially black men, weren't okay with what was going on in their communities.
1: Well, you, you may uh, you may be a little bit too young, uh. But Starsky and Hutch, do you remember Starsky and Hutch?
2: Uh, no, I I, I remember the movie they made, but not the not, not the television right. show.
1: Well, Starsky and Hutch were two cops, and they had this hot shit Ford, which looked like a, a moron was driving it. But okay, back then, hot shit, and uh, they were cops and they had an informant and his name was Huggy Bear <laughs> yeah I, I remember huggy yeah. and huggy bear was a pimp you know criminal but he was uh, he was the okay kind or something like that so this has been around it was definitely like oh well, he's, he's just got the colorful hats and he's got the pimp uh, uh, the pimp clothing so you know it's just it's huggy bear you know he's 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 cool
2: yeah so that just goes to show you that somewhere along the line there was this weird pivot of being anti-drug to where popular culture and entertainment is now pro-drug and pro-drug dealer. Um, And let's just see how we got there. Broken homes lead uh, to the streets.
11: You won't find in these neighborhoods the primetime family of Bill Cosby there are successful strong black families in america families that affirm parental authority and the values of discipline work and achievement but not many live around here still not every girl in the inner city ends up a teenage mother not every young man goes into crime there are people who have stayed here to fight for these kids they're outnumbered by the con artists and pushers it's not an even match but they stand for morality and authority and give some of these kids a bracing dose of unsentimental love when their own fathers are missing kids need someone else to stand in to practice damage control lest the street take over for these kids that someone is detective shaheed jackson of the newark police he came by his street smarts the hard way
12: well i came up out of the streets so i know how to get around a lot of that stuff and I guess the older you get, the more you learn. I was fortunate enough coming up that I never got caught. (laughs) And I grew out of the streets, but yet I still have some of the
11: street in me. There was a time when he wasn't sure he would make it off those streets. He was an unmarried father at 18, and he had his share of troubles, but he was raised by two parents.
12: His father was a Baptist minister, and they pushed him to make something of himself. On Sunday morning on my block, you would see each family almost coming out going to church. You know, you don't see that anymore. The family unity.
1: Hmm. Let me tell you how that came across to me was, oh, you separated from the church and that's the problem.
2: That that is one of the problems. All right. Uh, The reason why I say that, it was a structured, it was a structured place to receive morality. Sure. So, I mean, that was the function, you know, I mean, of the church. But what what he really showed is that when you have a two-parent household, these kind of, even though he was introduced to the streets, he was steered away from it Mm -hmm. because you have that structure there. Uh, And let's go into part two of this clip.
12: What have you learned
11: about these kids? That
12: they need somebody to love them. You know, they identify with us because... We excuse the question, we don't take any crap. You know, you come in here, you gotta be disciplined, you gotta, you know, follow the rules and regulations, because when they go out here and deal with life, they gonna have to follow rules and regulations in life.
11: Self-control and self-esteem, far more important than a good left hook. That's his message to kids like Bernard Wardrick.
12: He's been coaching Bernard for the past four years. It's like a big brother father image with me and Bernard. There's been times when he's gotten me mad and I've spanked him, you know, and uh, his mother knows I'll spank him and he knows I'll spank him. And sometimes that's what a kid needs to know. Freedom is a lot of the time destruction. The more freedom a man has, a lot of the time he'll just self-destruct. So I try to... You know, keep them in a little cage. Somebody. Keep them in my arms. <laughs> somebody has to say no. Yeah, somebody has to say no, you cannot do this. A lot of these kids grew up with nobody
11: saying no. Right. Do you think it's important for them to have men around?
12: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you have a uh, one parent family and there's a mother, she cannot teach you all of the things that a man can teach a son. There's no way.
11: So where do they learn the routine techniques of just
12: daily work and living? They don't. Unless they get it from their parents, they get it from the streets. Yeah, this is uh, the gang culture issue,
2: right? So that uh, it's and it's not exclusive to Black America.
1: No, because at all. we see
2: th- we see the same thing with child soldiers in Africa. Yeah, we see the same thing with uh, in the Middle East with uh, the rise of uh, Islamic radical Islam- Islamic terrorism. When you they look for fatherless often orphaned children ms13 um, is another example ms13 is another great example uh so what they look for is kids without any family structure you create that family structure and then you turn around and exploit them so um as the uh to live uh laid out number 3 he said number
3: 3 was contributed to by number 2 problem number 2 proliferation of baby mamas. The disintegration of the nuclear family has led to an astronomical increase of single mother households. According to the Moynihan Report, in 1965, nearly 25% of black children were born to unwed mothers. The report's author, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, said this was a disaster in the making. He was, of course, vilified by so-called black leaders and their progressive allies, but he was right. Today, the out-of-wedlock birth rate is nearly 75% and even higher in some urban areas. To be clear, baby daddies share this responsibility with baby mamas. Yet, while baby daddies are blamed and rarely shown compassion, baby mamas are rarely blamed and receive both compassion and support. This lopsided dynamic and the previously listed pathology stem directly from the number one problem facing the black community.
1: Now, this... Uh, which he calls problem number two is one of my, uh, has a lot of interest for me because this is so embedded now in popular culture. The concept of a baby daddy, baby mama is universally accepted.
2: Yeah. If you look at the trends of single parent households, not only did it increase from um, the original clips I I, I presented were for 1986 special Uh, from that point to now, single parent households have skyrocketed in every community. Yes, sir. It's, uh so uh is it set and the question is does this come from liberal uh liberal Policies. progressive Uh, policies and ideology is that where it stems from where you know before in the 1950s even in black communities and white communities you had to have a father mother and children uh now we have this thing you know where it's uh you can't even question anybody uh now people can do what they want to that's not what i'm here for uh but we have to see the impact uh of children being insecure when they don't have both family in the household and in the black community, those children are open up to, uh, predatorial, uh, influences, as we mentioned, that are not exclusive to the black community, but it, it is there.
1: Yeah. So, um, this is, you're right. It's a universal issue. Um, and this is the way the world has changed. Uh, and now whether you can pin that on liberal progressive ideas or not, um, I used to attend church regularly when I was a kid. I don't anymore. Uh, you know, dabble here and there, uh, but I'm a lot older. I, I come with things rammed into me from early on. That's clearly not the case anymore.
2: And I'm not saying exclusively exclusively from church, but when we look at television, what's accepted on broadcast television, not shows like HBO and those things.
1: Well, Mo. Uh, well, Mo, when you can have. Uh, people with male genitalia competing at contest level with uh, with a different gender there's all kinds of issues going on with this
2: i totally agree uh but let's just look at the effects of welfare
5: and society has made living for the women without the husband or without the male easy oh Yeah, welfare. I think welfare is not the best thing for everybody. Tell me why. Because it provides you with some kind of income that you sooner or later just settle for. I know I was on welfare. I've been on welfare.
11: Are you suggesting that we do away with welfare?
5: No. I'm saying it has to be upgraded. For instance, I have some young people here that on welfare, okay, but would like to work. But they can't work and make a coin because everything you make is taken away from your check.
11: Can you push the solution even further back? Is there any way to stop the cycle of teenage pregnancies?
5: That's so difficult to even talk about. In my heart, I think I, I have a solution and I know now may rub people the wrong way but I believe that teenage pregnancy cannot be stopped by programs it has to be morals and morals come from God and somewhere along the line the black family kind of strayed away from that and I believe we need it
11: you say the moral values have changed
5: oh yes it's morally acceptable to have babies it was not morally acceptable years ago that's hurting the black family
11: what I hear you saying is that even though Racism may have brought about these circumstances, even though society may have created conditions that, that are terrible. You're saying you have to be responsible. You have to practice discipline and self-restraint. That's right. We are destroying ourselves.
5: Now, it might have been motivated and, and plotted and seeded with racism, but we, we're content to be in this well now. Okay? We're just content to be in this mud, and we need to get
2: out of it. So I thought this clip was so powerful because this was coming from a person that was on welfare. Uh, a black woman that lived in the community. And that was her perspective that, you know, uh the lack of uh morality. And I'm not pushing religion. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about morality. Uh wherever you may find that at more power to you uh, But we have to see that these things Have been deleterious to the To, to the black community uh, I can't really add any more Than what she said in her clip because it was So powerful, Well, let's listen to uh, Effects of Welfare too. I don't like
5: Welfare because it makes me lazy. It does? Yeah, it makes you lazy just to sit around and wait for a monthly check to come in. You know, I just like to work. I like the money coming every week or every
2: two weeks. So I want to dispel this myth that a lot of people that receive welfare don't like to work. The system is set up for you not to work. If I was to receive a check of the same amount as working at McDonald's or sitting at home, which one would I choose? Uh why don't we and this is my personal view, why don't we reward people that go out and maybe work minimum wage and um uh, supplement their income instead of rewarding people that stay at home and do nothing? Uh you understand what I'm coming yeah, from? Well,
1: yes. Uh, now, I grew up in a socialist country. I grew up in the Netherlands. I've also lived in Belgium, and I've lived in the United Kingdom, all socialist policies. And the uh, I've seen the effects of a—well, of well, you can call them welfare programs. In fact, a lot of people today say, hey, we're already socialists. We have welfare. Well, what I saw is was one step further— in these so called evolved socialist countries where your welfare check or your social support check is typically seventy percent of your last paycheck earned. So imagine if you're doing making a hundred grand and then you go on welfare, you're making seventy, which also puts a huge burden on the employers. That's a different issue. But what happens is you get this you actually get a lazy culture where people, uh, and I'm t- just talking about the Netherlands because I witnessed this, will have something uh, years ago. I'm talking 15 years ago. Oh, I have a burnout. They didn't call it a burnout that later got popularized. And that's what they they call in Dutch. They call it a burnout. It, in English, they use that word burnout. Okay, well, I have to go home now for three months. That's kind of the standard burnout. Uh, mm-hmm. and then they'd be like yeah i'm hanging around i'm kind of bored i'll go uh, lug some bricks around for my buddy i got a trailer i can do some yard work then the neighbor sees that and like wait a minute that guy's supposed to be home with a burnout or his back is out now he's doing all this other stuff it creates incredible strife in all communities but the what you say is in effect true it's like hey why don't you go sit home and take care of yourself and you know get, you know, you're know, you're burned out yeah, and people take advantage of it. And they, I think, inherently become not necessarily lazy about the work, but well, wait a minute, I can make this money and I can get some additional under the table money. I mean, at the end of the day, everyone's all for themselves. And so this is not a uniquely black, uniquely American program. Welfare does seem to have this effect.
2: And I want to make two points and then we can go into on number one. One is we've seen One. The first point is, this is what troubles me with the UBI, the oh, universal it, oh, it's, basic it's income. Told, it's totally what UBI
1: is all about. It's luring people under the same uh, pretense.
2: Right. That's very troubling because I always bring up the point of is when a, lo- when a person loses purpose uh, to get up, get dressed, go to work, you know, and function in society, That's that's a very slippery slope. To uh to becoming a, uh, uh you know a non value adding factor in society, oh, and two
1: and a substance abuser that d- usually comes along with that.
2: Free time because you had to find a way to escape your reality, mm-hmm. uh and that's when yeah exactly. So don't with those things you laid out now you see this perfect storm. You have mothers at home that's really forced to be at home because if they go to work they lose their check. Uh, they have a system that said they can't have a man in the house, and then you take uh, they have children that they can't uh, uh control by themselves because it takes two parents to raise a household. Um, where I mean, now w- what that two parents consist of is your choice, not mine. But I think if, if it. Children wear you down. It takes to, it takes two children, you know what I said, two parents to you know saying, raise a child because it's just a child is a full time job. Yeah,
1: and they're resource you, sucking scourge that just hangs on to you. Yes, you need you need to share that burden.
2: Right. That's that's very true. Uh and then you take that, so you have a, a woman isolated, no man, uh no job, and then you pump in uh tons and tons of cocaine and drugs into the community. And what could possibly go wrong? And we've seen this now. When we saw in the eighties, it was black people's problem. But when you have the same set of um circumstances with opioids in and men white communities, mm-hmm. it's a health crisis. Yep. You know,
1: yep. You're
2: and right and this is what this is what uh, when people don't look at that the same way, when um conservatives don't look at that as in the same light. That's when they lose traction with their talking point. Also
1: shaped by decades of movies and television and popular entertainment. It is embedded into our minds, Mo.
2: Yes. Yes. So, uh, and then the last point, and then we can get into number one. We've already seen universal basic income rolled out in the pilot plan called uh, disability. Because if you go to the right lawyer, you, you can get disability for anything in America.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. I don't know. Is this
2: number one? No, but I mean, I'm just I'm bringing that up, but just yeah, look at the commercials. Call here. You know what I'm saying? You want disability? You know, call here and he's say, like, Oh, like you said, it's a burnout. Ah, you know, I'm just uh mental fatigue and my back tweak, you know, and then you get there.
3: But let's just go into number one. Problem number one unquestioning allegiance to so-called progressive policies. Unwavering loyalty to progressive liberal policies is the primary reason these dire conditions persist. It both makes them possible and perpetuates them. It's no coincidence that progressivism is the common thread that binds predominantly black cities where single-parent homes, failing schools, rampant poverty, and crime predominate. Look at cities like Detroit, Philadelphia, and Baltimore. They've been run by progressive Democrats for decades. If their liberal policies were at all effective, these cities should have become models of economic growth and prosperity. Instead, they're models of dysfunction. By fostering and exploiting the victim mentality, discouraging self-examination, subsidizing baby mamas and making excuses for black thugs, so-called progressive policies don't alleviate the problems that afflict the black community. They aggravate those problems.
1: Well, it's a big claim, and it's one that's uh, believed universally amongst groups for sure.
2: Right. So I think number one is kind of uh, umbrellas uh, five through two. Yeah. So we don't really need to harp on it that much. But if I'm seeing white conservatives use Malcolm X talking points to combat, combat white liberals. Really? Yeah, I I got it. And and one of the memes I've seen is uh, Malcolm X, white liberals. White liberals who
10: have posed as our friends. White liberals who have been eager to point out what the white men in the South has been doing to us, while they themselves here in the North are doing the same thing. They have been making a a great fuss over the South, only to blind us to what is happening here in the north. And now that the eyes of America's 20 million blacks, you can easily see that this white fox here in the north is even more cruel and vicious than the white wolf in the south. The southern wolves always let you know where you stand. But these northern foxes pose as white liberals. They pose as your friend, Pull as your benefactor, Pull as your employer. They pose as your landlord. They pose as the neighborhood merchant. They pose as your lawyer trying to help you. They infiltrate all your organizations. And in this manner, by joining you, they strangle your militant efforts toward freedom, toward justice, and toward equality. They use integration for infiltration.
1: Yes, Malcolm X, very complex... Uh, topic not well understood today
2: very complex topic but he he made one point in there that I just wanted to highlight and I think the the white conservatives use it to highlight that the white liberals infiltrate uh, black movements and I, I think we laid that out here uh, with the NAACP with Black Lives Matter and it continues it just continues over and over again but uh, also a problem one Uh, Talib laid out the effects of cities like Baltimore uh, and how if if progressive ideologies were so beneficial to black people and that as a whole, why are the black people living in the conditions they are in uh, Baltimore?
5: I'm glad that he pointed out. I'm glad that he put him on blast because people in West Baltimore have been putting Elijah coming on uh, him on blast for years. Ever since he's been in the office, he never did anything for us, like I said. If he's supposed to be from this neighborhood, like I said, supposed to be, it just, the rats just didn't come. These houses just didn't get to down. They've been like this. If he would take the time out to come over here and see how things are, maybe he'd do be better at his job. Thank you.
1: Yeah, the put him on blast, lady. I liked her a lot. I've seen her.
2: Right, so she's, I mean, if, if for people not familiar, she's talking about Donald Trump's uh, comments about rat, in, rat infested Baltimore uh, concerning uh, Elijah Cummings. Uh, let's see, listen to this, uh, Citizen 2 speak.
6: The All this? For yep. <laughs> That's terrible.
2: Meanwhile, they're worried about the kids at
5: the border. Right, exactly. And, and but this it, is how actual yeah. American citizens
12: gotta live and deal with i wonder how the mexican like, like yeah
5: man now tell me it living in for this me. house with all this tell me i didn't have rats and rats
12: he told me i
2: was lying Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so they bring up a good point that talib didn't even bring up and I, it's strangely that he didn't and it's why did not he bring up illegal immigration that seems like low-hanging fruit
8: being joined now by Mr. Ted Hayes, he's a civil rights activist. Thank you for being with us, Mr. Hayes. Uh so can I can I ask you about this? Do you agree or disagree with the poll? Do you think uh do African Americans think that illegal immigrants take jobs away from them?
13: Absolutely. I don't know where this other person is getting their information from, but I'm on the ground out here in Los Angeles. We call LA Occupied Los Angeles because we have lost all of our rights. Essentially, black people in LA have been demified. Uh, we can't even go in the neighborhoods that were once black for fear of getting shot, beaten up, threatened, what have you. So, no, we, we and it's not just about jobs, about housing, education, health care. It's about our 14th Amendment birthright that they're stealing from us. And I, and I don't blame the people. I do not blame the people. I blame Blame our government for failing to protect us according to the Constitution of the United States. Yeah, This,
1: this is not just something that's being discussed in black communities, but white communities as well. I mean, we're, I'm in Texas, Texas, and people are like, well, hold on a second. You know, we've got uh, the sanctuary city in Austin, and yet we have uh, American citizens who are sleeping under I-35. This has uh, moved more to the forefront for sure.
2: And what... the gentleman brings up a great point it's not about the people coming here because it's understandable why they would want to come here the question is why are they allowed to uh because they're better voters once we
1: get them legal and that may not even be necessary they'll vote for whoever helped them that's that's human nature
2: that's true but their second generation typically votes more conservative. Once you get a foothold in America and you know, you start voting your pocketbook, uh, they start voting more conservatively. Um, as numbers show. Oh really? Uh, I didn't realize. But, because what we saw was even on the border states for people, Hispanic people that were here established. Uh, oh, oh they they're, were, they're
1: they're pretty much against illegal immigration. Absolutely.
2: Right. So I think it's short sighted of the Democrats, the progressive or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, the first generation that comes here will, but if you're successful, uh, you're going to vote your pocketbook, as you should. Uh, And if lower taxes is your thing, or those kind of things, you're going to start to see um, them swing back to be more conservative. Uh, But I just wonder why a a right-wing think tank wouldn't bring up illegal immigration and its impact on uh, on Black people. You mean as one of the top five in this list? Part of the top five. Sure. Why why not? It sticks out as a sore thumb to me. And is it that uh, actually right-wingers at the elite level benefit also from um, illegal immigration?
1: Absolutely. Of course they do.
2: This is why nothing ever changed. Both
1: sides benefit at the elite level. Sure.
2: And that's the hunch that I had. Uh, that out of out of all these talk talking points, the one that you could really sell black people on, you're that, not doing, um, yeah. that. Uh, um, illegal immigrants are stealing your birthright, as this man says. They're using the Fourteenth Amendment, where it was set aside um, exclusively for black people that were slaves in this country, uh, to become citizens. Uh, they're using that as a loophole uh, for quote-unquote anchor babies. Let's listen to part two. Well, do you agree with with
8: President Trump then that illegal immigration hurts uh, black citizens more than it does other Americans?
13: Oh, there's no question about it. And not just in the physical realm of jobs and housing, health care, but it's in the whole realm of our identity. For example, you've heard of anchorism that is, anchor babies, but women that come to the country illegally and they have a baby and that yeah. child becomes a citizen. That is totally wrong. That belongs whoa, whoa, to the hold on. slaves.
8: Hold on. You're saying that's, you're talking about anchor babies. Um, I mean, I want to touch on that. So you are against the, the so called anchor babies, the, the babies that were born in the United States. Uh, given our Constitution, a constitutional right that those children are American citizens, so you disagree with that law?
13: That is, not the, that is not true. They've twisted that. It's a custom. If you, please take the time and you go to my website and you can study it, They have twisted the 14th Amendment to mean them, and it's not. Read the Civil Rights Act of 1866 where it identifies slaves. That, that was who it's for.
1: Yeah, this is a misinterpretation.
2: And why, I ask again, if you're really trying to persuade black people, which I I honestly think this think tank is trying to do, I mean, it's a political strategy because we talked about the negative vote. And then if you could turn the negative vote to swing to your side, that's a double hit to the uh, Democrats. Why wouldn't you use this one big talking point hey, they're stealing your birthright. You know, you you should have right-wing pundits yelling this from the rooftops if you really want to get African-Americans to pay attention to what you're saying, but you don't hear it. And that goes to show you that think tanks are all about calculated measures. It's not about uh, what's best for the people. And that's why I wanted to do this, this segment here, uh, is to show you that it's all about propaganda on both sides. Uh, trying to swing people either way Uh, and and this
1: and this particular issue is not just about southern border south americans coming up Um, i would say silicon valley is incredibly complicit in this of course this is where a lot of the money is if you go look in portland uh, and this is not necessarily a an illegal immigration issue but if you look at the h1b visas which are given out to indians who um uh, uh who uh, have uh highly educated skills in um engineering electronic engineering computers etc uh who do not mind living six to uh, a one bedroom apartment that is all, that's doing the exact same thing and it does deal with the comprehensive immigration status that we have that you know will one day be reformed but I don't see it ever being reformed. Nobody wants to get rid of their special pool of people.
2: And I see your, um, your, um, the point you make and I raise you LA times, uh, August. Cause what I want to do is before I say this, I think a, this illegal immigration at the Southern border border takes more of the brunt than they should, as you just laid out. Uh, and one of the, Uh, one of the topics not being discussed is L.A. Times Asian anchor babies wealthy Chinese come to Southern California to give birth yep and that's August uh, 26, 2015 oh yeah and what and what they do is they come here actually rent out huge homes (laughs) yep where numerous amount of mothers that are in in like the third trimester fly over here Uh, they set up these like uh, basically like these um, spas uh yeah, and it says they have kids. Yeah. from the article, it said the website of one birthing center—that's what they call them—birthing center suggests that four thousand Chinese women have been serviced since nineteen ninety-nine. And these aren't poor people.
1: No, 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 not at all. They just want the uh, the uh, they just want the American uh, the American passport, the American citizenship, and I
2: right the dual citizenship.
1: I, yeah, and I was just uh, looking up. Uh, there was just a story about this the other day. There's an island uh, that we own, as in America owns, and they' and they have a lot of tourism. I can't remember the name of the island now, so I have to look up. And they are asking for the federal government's help because th- people are coming to you know this beautiful island and it's like, oh this is you know beautiful for tourism, which is their main industry but now there's so many and, and i have to find this the guy who're we talking about i think is the governor of the island uh, he said you know uh, he didn't he didn't say chinese he said asian but they you know they're coming here and they're coming here to have children and then have the american uh, citizenship and then start
2: the train so i say to right wing uh conservative uh uh talking point writers or think tanks. And I even say to Donald Trump, if you want to get black people to listen, you need to raise this issue because black people are more than well aware. As this gentleman uh, outlined that they have, can- uh, illegal immigrants have come into our communities and pushed us out and actually democratic uh, and progressive Uh, politicians have pushed us to the back burner for illegal immigrants and illegal immigrant illegal immigrant uh issues so i don't don't. (laughs) yes
1: that is exactly what has happened and i don't think anything is going to change until the people collectively call for it and uh, that would mean a lot of exposition of information as you've done here expertly today uh, for people to really understand that, it, certainly, when it comes to this, we're all being hoodwinked. It doesn't make anybody richer. What's going on with illegal immigration? Um. So, what would and you what would you conclude? Uh, you know, hearing all this, and I really appreciate what you've done here with looking at both sides, conservative as well as progressive. Uh, doesn't seem like anybody is any giving anybody a break, really.
2: No, uh, an an elite is an elite. I think that's I think yes. that's the,
1: yes, you're the, right. you know,
2: the uh the summary of what we take from this. Um I think we'd be better off having conversations with people I'm saying on I'm saying in everyday life like with like we do on this podcast every day. I mean every show. Um and we get to find out what's in the weeds. Uh that, you know, don't use these talking points because you get when you lead off with a talking point. Like black on black crime, or you know, from the left, if you lead out all oh, victim, you're know saying victimology, it ruins the conversation. I that mean, that's use nuance, have you know saying, intelligent conversations, and we'll realize that uh, the non-elite people suffer from the same issues or issues that are based in similar things.
1: This has been very educational for me it came up with a couple of things that i realized i was thinking about in a uh, limited way i appreciate that um and it just you know what Mo? i just can't wait for the next episode (laughs) every monday i'm like i like mondays this is where we get to do fun stuff
2: Right. I enjoy it as well. And I'm saying it's great company and great conversation. MoFax.com
1: is where you can find out more. And on the next show, I'll be telling you how you can help out with this uh, podcast. As I think we are now officially kind of established. Uh, It looks like we're going to be doing this for a while.
2: And thanks thanks to the Podfather, you can find me at the Apple store as well. Him playing his (laughs) card. Um, And as I always say, if you pay attention to everything, the truth will reveal itself. We'll
1: talk Have to you a great day. We'll talk to you next time everybody. Right here on Mofax with Adam Curry, Mofax.com. Take care.
6: The next time we see each other, maybe years and years from now. Family
7: is the solution to the world's problems today. Now let's take a look at the family.
12: In the family, the father is like the head, the leader, the director.
7: Not the domineering, but showing love. Together, no
12: matter what color,
6: race, creed, because that's all in the head. Whether you want to believe it or not, because you'll believe. <laughs>